0: Okay, we're back in a Wednesday afternoon with vaccine researcher, family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. And doctor, some important information next for parents. We've got new data out regarding Pfizer and the effectiveness of their vaccine for those between the ages of five and 11. What can you tell us about this?
1: Fascinating study. So this is real world data now, not just data from the company Pfizer, but the real world data out of New York state. What did they do? The researchers looked at some 400,000 kids who were fully vaccinated. Now they're just looking at Omicron. This is just in the past month. And they found that the effectiveness of the vaccine dropped. So it started out at about 70% effective in preventing kids, this is 5 to 11 years of age, getting Omicron, which is really respectable. And then it dropped to only 12%. In other words, it wasn't effective hardly at all in preventing cases. Now, after one month, the vaccine was still effective in preventing hospitalizations, but even that had dropped by half. So the fact is, it just becomes less effective. Now, these are kids, remember, the kids between 5 and 11 receive one-third of the adult dose. So there's questions. Maybe the dose is just too low. The problem was when Pfizer tried to give kids a higher dose, too many of them got a fever from it. And also in New York state, the kids were getting vaccinated three weeks apart for the two doses. That's not what's happening here in Ontario. We're waiting eight weeks. And that may give a better response rate in terms of how long the immunity lasts because those numbers are quite concerning. The vaccine may not be as effective as we thought it would be in between, you know, for kids five to 11, although it does still seem to prevent hospitalizations in that age group.
0: Okay, so what does that tell us and how should parents interpret that information? What should they do with that?
1: Well, the company is now looking to, you know, give potentially an extra dose and they are looking at the effectiveness of the doses when they're given further apart. So what can they do? Understand that the, vet, the risk for kids getting hospitalized altogether is extremely low. The risk of a 5 to 11-year-old getting hospitalized is about 1 in 10,000. It's really low. But it still matters because if you have a huge number of children in the millions you're going to have, a number of hospitalizations. And we can't ignore the potential risk of long COVID in children. Omicron hasn't been around all that long. So what this tells us is, sorry, we can't rely completely on vaccinations. We do have to think about things like masks still. We have to think about vaccine passports, certainly if our numbers go higher, that's something we would consider bringing back. But you know, it just goes to show you, we haven't seen the last variant yet either. And with each successive variant, they do appear to be better at escaping the immunity not only of natural immunity, but of the immunity of the vaccines as well.
0: All right, shifting gears, I want to talk about this uh, Canadian study that uh, came out this week that COVID has been detected in deer. And whether it's wildlife like deer or uh, dogs and cats, why is it uh, that animals uh, should concern us or why do they uh, matter when it comes to COVID, Dr. Gorfinkel?
1: Yeah, so I get a lot of questions from patients. Should I worry about my pet? Could I give COVID to my pet? And the answer is, yes, you can give COVID to your pet. In fact, if somebody in a household has COVID, the chance of their cat getting it is about two out of three. Their dog, it's about one out of four are going to get COVID if one household member has it. But the thing is, they hardly get sick. Dogs tend to be asymptomatic. Cats tend to have a mild runny nose, sneezing, and they get over it. No cat or dog has died from COVID-19, with the exception of big cats in the United States. So far, the virus has been identified in 15 mammals in Canada, one five. And why am I so excited by that number? People have given COVID to lots of animals and animals give them to one another. And what that forms is a large potential pool or reservoir of virus in which more variants can happen, in which potentially the next pandemic can happen. And in fact, several pandemics have arisen from animals having the virus. We tend not to test animals altogether too much, but what we know is a bit concerning. Now, animals do not give COVID back to people with the exception of mink and hamsters. Those are the only two animals proven to have given it back to people, but they do represent a potential pool or reservoir of virus that sits in the background that could become a problem for us. Hmm.
0: Got about a minute here, but uh, why is it that dogs seem relatively unaffected by uh, COVID? And is there anything we can learn from that?
1: Uh, That is a great question. Actually, most mammals are not horribly affected. Minks die from the disease. And I said a couple of big cats in the United States have died, including snow leopards and and, uh, tigers in a couple of zoos. But basically, Most of the the time, animals are not at high risk. The reason we're concerned is because they do represent a widening, a broadening reservoir. You know, that's the big thing. What makes them so not affected by it? It probably has to do with their own immune systems, why they're not. There are differences in animals' immune systems and our immune systems. The virus itself could change, it could mutate so that it does affect animals in a worse way. But so far, that doesn't appear to be the case. But the Mm -hmm. more viruses out there, the greater the risk of that.
0: All right, appreciate it as always, Dr. Gorfinkel. Thanks for this on a Wednesday and enjoy the rest of your week.
1: Many thanks. All the best.
0: All right. Vaccine researcher, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel with us. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show.